Hi, this is the See You Next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells Kant. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening. I'm Amanda. And if you couldn't tell, we are in part three of a four-part series on... Erin Caffey. Yeah. And the Caffey family, because apparently I like to talk. <laughs> Texas homegrown gals. <laughs> so I do have an update for you this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we uh, we love Legos, you and I. Uh-huh, yes. Obsessed. And um, we've put together a few sets together. I... My pod hubby put together the Ecto-1, which is the mm-hmm. Ghostbusters vehicle. Mm-hmm. Well, I have such an obsession with putting putting together Legos that I was like, you know what I should do is take apart all the currently built Legos and organize them by color and then use, because we kept the booklets, put them together again. But if anyone's bought Legos recently, you know they come, especially if you're doing like a set bags in order of operations yes bag one you do bag one then you do bag two then you do bag three right now according to pod hubby how i did it or how we did it was actually the og way that used to be pre the bags i didn't know this yeah because i've only ever had just the box of legos not the you know sets right turn into a thing you know right but anyway so he, he was like, he starts taking it apart. And I'm like, well, like, what are you doing? You know, like, um, cool. And he's like, oh, you want to put this one together that I put together? And I was like, are you sure? This is the, the Ecto-1, you know, this is the vehicle. <laughs> so he, he, we took it all apart and I sent you photos, right? No, I didn't send you photos, but I told you. No, you sent me the one photo. The one photo. Well, it was in process. Yes. And it looked like the space penis. Yes. (laughs) Because it was only like one side of one door and everything. But I was just wanted to challenge myself to see like, can I do this? Can I do this? Let's find out. So first off, (laughs) yes, it's doable, but you need a fuck ton more space than what we had because we literally had to take out baking sheets and put, pour the Legos on them. In colors, like all the black go in this one, all the white go on this one, all the, you know, mm-hmm. red and yellow, whatever. Because you have to, you know, sort through the pieces to find the one right piece. Right. So it definitely taught me a lot of patience because, you know, you're going to have to find that one right piece. And sometimes there is only one. And you're looking yes. at like a hundred plus Legos and going, fuck, which one is it? Well, and these are like uh, the adult Legos. So there's literally 2000 pieces. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So happy to say, took it apart on a Saturday. It was all back in place by Wednesday. And there were only 10 extra pieces that I don't know where they went. (laughs) So you do know that there's not supposed to be extra pieces. I know. I know this. I know. I know this. I know this. My husband, he looked at me and was like, what the fuck? I'm like, dude, I followed the directions. I promise. I promise. Obviously you did it. I did. But I mean, come on guys. Like I did it. Yeah. But I'm happy to report there was only like 10 pieces. I was actually more concerned to be like a bucket. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? You know, but 
I think you need to take it back apart and put it back together until you use all the pieces. That's what I wanted to do. But Podhobs was like, yeah, fuck it. Just throw them in the bin. I was like, are you sure? Like, these are like the pieces to the fucking thing. And he's like, nah, don't worry about it. I was like, okay. But yeah, that was, uh, it was fun. But my lesson that I learned was never do it with shit he's put together. Because I saw the light go out of his eyes. And I was like, oh no, the Ecto-1 will never be the same. It's not. I agree with him. I'm sorry. It's okay. I don't mean to like make you feel bad. No, that's fine. But I did call it that you were going to have extra pieces left. Yeah. Yeah. I did enjoy that you sent me the picture and it looked like the space. (laughs) I didn't even pick that up. I was just like, all right. But yeah, I was also disappointed. I was like, God dang it. Follow the fucking directions to the letter. Apparently I did not. But it is functional. It's not like it's wherever those pieces went it's not like obvious thank god but yeah i need to order legos between now and christmas for yourself yes you do but i kind of am on a spending ban right now are you buying too much instagram things no we bought a new bed ah you like it i don't have it yet i know (laughs) I know. And I'm not going to lie and say that I pretend that I do and say that I do because I don't know if I'm going to like it. Mm. In the store, it was like sleeping. Not sleeping. I didn't sleep in the store. It was like lying on a cloud. But Mm. you lie on it for five minutes. True. But I was like goddamn Goldilocks trying out beds. (laughs) You were trying on all of them. You were like, okay, this one and this one. We went to two separate stores. Oh, damn. Because I wanted to try the purple mattress. Yeah. And then we went to the sleep number store, which Big D was calling the sleep bed. He was calling the sleep number beds the sleep bed. The sleep bed. I was like, honey, all beds are sleep beds. I mean, yeah, technically. So kind of. You're almost there. Almost good job. Real close. <laughs> uh, so part three. Yes. Where did we leave off on our, from our last episode? So we had gotten into the murder of the entire Caffey family. This is a shit show at best. Yes. Um, which I said that the only family member that could, be, could not be accounted for was Aaron, which was correct. But I forgot to mention that Terry did escape the fire. Mm. As I asked, I was like, where the hell is Terry? Because they found the two boys, unfortunately. Mom. Mm-hmm. Houses on fire, mm-hmm. randomness, and yet, no Terry. No Terry. Terry escaped. Mm. Um, Is this the origin story of some sort of like superhero franchise or like an anti-hero? Does he turn into Bible Man? You know, or might. something like that? Okay. He might. Okay. So the next morning, Erin was located and she was re- rushed by ambulance to the Hopskin County Memorial Hospital in Sulphur Springs. She was distressed and extremely confused, and law enforcement and relatives wondered if she had been drugged and kidnapped by the killers. Well, Erin had been attend- had was being attended to in the hospital, the chief of police for the Reigns ISD, Shanna Sanders, and the sheriff's deputy, Serena Booth, questioned her about what happened the night before. Erin's replies were in a little girl's voice, and she mumbled a story about being trapped in a smoky room with two... Males armed with swords. God, the fucking swords, man. I know. They were wearing all black, and they told her to get down and stay face down. She remembered being in a room with a couch, and 
When they left, she tried to call Charlie, and he wouldn't answer his phone. The next thing she remembered was the police waking her up, and she couldn't remember where she was or what happened. And that's when they claimed they, that's when she claimed they were coming back for her. Aaron seemed to be comforted um, that Terry had survived despite the fact he was in critical condition at the East Texas Medical Center. She even asked to visit him, and a police escort was arranged to take Aaron and her GMA on the 60-mile trip to Tyler to visit him. At the East Texas Medical Center, Terry had been rushed into surgery to remove bullets from his back and his head. Mm, what did I say? That's right. What did I say? While he was recovering, he drifted in and out of consciousness and asked for Aaron. Once he heard that Aaron was alive on her way to see him, it renewed his commitment to live. Oh, God. This is so sad. So when Charlie was located hours after the crime, yes, I said hours, people. These were not criminal masterminds. They were teenage children. Yeah. He really dug his own grave because he said, I ain't got no conscience. I'm a psychomaniac. And he probably believed that about himself, to be completely honest. Yeah. I mean, we all know that's not the truth. You even saying that shows like, dude, come on. No, you're not. Yes. You did a bad thing. Absolutely. But no. So that is kind of really just a summary of what had happened. Mm-hmm. Because... What exactly happened in the house? Well, there's a lot of players involved and a lot of different versions. So I'm actually going to give you all the different versions and maybe we can all land on what really happened somewhere in the middle of those, kind of like a verbal Venn diagram. Okay. Um, so what I told you before was kind of what Charlie said happened and I kind of omitted a lot of shit just to kind of be like, give me a little teasers. Yeah. <laughs> so... After surgery, um, Terry was able to recall some of what happened. Terry and Penny were asleep in their bedroom on the first floor of the home when Terry said a dog barking woke him up, but he went back to sleep until around 3 p.m. When Penny started screaming and Terry lifted an arm to protect her, but then they were sprayed with bullets. One literally shot Terry out of the bed. Terry tried to push himself up and crawl over to Penny, He knew she was already gone, but Terry could hear his children shouting in surprise and pain from another part of the house. Terry claims he could hear Bubba screaming, No, Charlie, no, why? Why are you doing this? Terry then heard more gunshots. At this point, Terry blacked out, and when he finally came to, Penny's throat was slashed and the house was on fire. One important fact, Terry does remember that he could identify one of the assailants, it was 19-year-old Charlie, Aaron's boyfriend. So somehow Terry was able to get to his feet, even though he didn't feel anything on his right side. He was desperate to get to his children, but the fire had reached the foot of his bed, and all he could see was a black haze, so he knew he couldn't enter the rest of the house. He knew it was impossible to try to get to his kids, Um But he was able to pull himself into a standing position and step over Penny's body. And he was able to make it to his bathroom and um, the window above the bathtub. Terry was able to stick his head out the window and get some fresh air. And and he was able to somehow wiggle through the bathroom window 
and let his body weight and gravity pull him out to the ground. What the fuck, man? After he'd been shot twice. That's impressive. Once in the head. Like, honestly impressive. So, I think he just wanted people to know who did this to his family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and also that saw that he heard all that going on. You yeah. Know, like, and you can't do anything. So, now, the Caffey family lived in the country. We talked about it being a small town. It really was the country, and they didn't have any close neighbors. So he knew it was going to be difficult to get to the closest neighbor's home, and that was Tommy and Helen Gaston. Tommy and Helen were the Caffey's neighbors, and Terry actually viewed them as surrogate parents, and he knew if he could just make it to their house, he would be okay. Like, they would help him, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's where he started to go. He alternated between standing and walking and crawling. Terry was injured and distraught. He had blood pouring from his bullet wounds, two to his head, one to his arm, back, and shoulder. Terry crawled 300 yards. That's three football fields long, to put that into perspective. To his neighbor's house. At one point, he even asked God to take his life, which, to a Christian person... Like, as religious as he was, that's big time. It's a big deal. Mm Mm-hmm. Terry slipped in the creek and almost drowned, but he still persevered. It took him an hour to reach the Gaston home. And when Tommy found Terry on his front porch, he looked towards the cafe home and saw flames shooting from the house. And Terry just said, I need help. And Tommy was shocked. He said, where's Penny? Where's the kids? And Terry just responded, they're all dead. When he looked at Helen, he said, don't leave me, Mom. And Tommy is the one that called for help. Wow. When the sheriff's deputy arrived, Terry used the last of his strength to tell him that his family needed help. As Terry was being put in the ambulance, he told the sheriff, I think I'm going to die. I need to tell someone who did this, who killed my family. Um, family. It was important that they knew Charlie Wilkinson killed his family. Mm. Over at the Caffey home, that's where the chaos was happening. And it's because things like this just didn't happen in Alba. Um, but there was a sheriff's deputy who was a Navy vet, Richard Allman. And he was the one that took control of the crime scene. Um, he started a crime scene lock. And I love... When there is that one law enforcement officer that understands his assignment. Yeah, he's like, I okay, I know what to do here. I'm going to organize all this. I'm going to call these people. Y'all go over here. Lock it up. Like, that's great. Like, starting from the get, he's already, like, full in. This is a crime scene. Yes. And, and I love it when there's that one officer that's like, y'all, stop. I got this. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like our new friend Joe would be <laughs> yeah. that guy. Yeah. So... Even though Terry was in critical condition, um, when he got to the hospital, he was conscious and alert. Like, seriously. That's impressive. It just shows you, that's what I'm saying, is like the human body is freaking insane. The, what it can do it, it, to save your life, to make you survive. I mean, that's yeah. probably, his adrenaline was probably so high yeah. that he was like, yeah, I'm totally awake. God, I hope they gave him morphine or some oh, shit. You know they did. Fentanyl. Give yeah. him the fentanyl. Yeah, give him the good shit. <laughs> So, um, now we all know who the first suspect is when a whole family dies. The father. It's always the only living family member. Shock among shocks. The dad survived and... 
And at this time, they think Aaron had died in the house. So they think he's the only surviving member. Sure. So the investigators had to be cautious and leave the option on the table that Terry's the one that killed everyone and harmed himself to make it look like it was Charlie. Of course. Well, Terry was more than willing to allow the investigators to swab for DNA under his fingernails. And the investigators knew he had nothing to do with what happened because he was not attempting to cover up the truth. And he was using the last of his energy that he had to help them. Yep. So, while investigating at the house, that's when they located the bodies of Penny, Bubba, and Tyler. And they realized they didn't find Aaron. Mm. So, they just assumed that she was missing. Kind of like Terry. Maybe she's out some field crawling away, too. Yeah. We We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So they asked the Herald Banner, the local newspaper, to spread the word that if anyone had any information on her whereabouts, to contact the sheriff's department. So when Chief Deputy Sheriff Kirk Fisher heard what happened at the cafe home and that Charlie was involved, he knew that Charlie stayed with at Matthew Wade's house occasionally. And it just so happened that Kirk lived half a mile from Matthew. So on his way to the crime scene... He swung by Matthew's place and recognized Charlie's SUV there. Hmm. So Kirk called the lo- called the vehicle information in as a formality to make sure it was Charlie's car because, you know, you got to do things by the book or That's things okay. get thrown out in court. Yep, yep. All the local deputies were looking for Charlie, so Kirk stopped and knocked on Matthew's door. Um, they invited him in. He said, can I look around? Matthew said, sure, why not? Kurt searched the house room by room. While Kirk was searching the house, Charlie heard him, woke Aaron up, and told her the police were here to go hide. That's when Kirk came to the room and found Charlie lying alone, shirtless on his stomach on the mattress with his arm hanging off the bed. Oh, no. A holstered handgun was on the ground about a foot away from Charlie's hand, so Kirk made sure that Charlie um, didn't reach for the gun so he was handcuffed and took him outside. Oh, he was alive. Okay. I was like, oh, no, no. Oh, no. Ooh, <laughs> scared me. Um, so when the police searched the bedroom that Charlie and Aaron were staying in, they found a condom. Oh, thank God. Okay. At least, okay. We answered that question. You answered my question. Did they know about safe sex at least? Okay. Thank God. <laughs> um, and, and what was important about this is it proved that the couple had sex the night that Aaron's family was murdered. Oh, my God. And this made people think of them as vicious and cold. I mean, how could you not? Yeah, of course. And honestly, I got to say this. I now this far into it, it feels very, Aaron probably initiated it is what I'm getting at Mm -hmm. because it feels like Charlie was like, I mean, and and what a teenage boy in his right mind is going to say no to having sex with a girl. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I'm sure he was racked with guilt. I mean, the poor kid. I, I, I'm not saying he wasn't guilty. He did it. Yeah. But let's be real. Who was the real person who initiated The instigator. It? Yeah, exactly. Yes. So. so, I mean, I bring that up because it was a very big sticking point in the whole narrative of the story mm. and, and, and the trial and really? the court. And because it just is because... If you really felt bad 
about this happening to your family or your girlfriend's family, why would you go back to Matthew's trailer and have sex? Right. Like, no big deal. Exactly. Like, it was a normal Friday night or whatever night of the week it was, you right. know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I could see how that could come up in court. But at the same time, like... I don't know. I would want to know all the, I would want to know context. I would be like, okay, I need the full picture of the story because this one moment could mean nothing or could mean everything. And and it just affected how everybody in town viewed them. Oh yeah. Because who does that? You know what I mean? You didn't feel bad. You had no remorse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. God, I'm sure the busy bodies, my God. Oh yeah. My God. So through the entire time, Charlie never asked what was going on and why they were there. So, you know, Kurt. Yeah. And Kurt is a hero because he remembered to read Charlie his Miranda rights. Good job. And not only that, he read it directly from the card. He's like, hold on one second. (laughs) Yep. And he did it on purpose to ensure that there could not be thrown out mm-hmm. or a retrial or whatever Yep. because his rights were improperly not. infringed or whatever. Exactly. So, um, and was told, um, and that's when Charlie was told what happened to the Caffey family. Um, when he heard about the Caffey's, he showed no emotion, emotions. And when asked if he was involved, he told the police he got drunk and passed out that night. So Michael Dickinson, remember him? He used to live with Charlie, and Aaron didn't like them hanging out, even though they were friends. He was at Matthew's house that day when the police showed up, and they knew there were two shooters involved, so of course they turned their attention to Michael. Sure. They're like brothers. They're both at Matthew's house the next day. Yep. And they told Michael about the Catfee family, and Michael was genuinely shocked and when asked if he knew anything about it, he fucking threw Charlie under the bus faster than you can say bus. And said, I wasn't with Charlie last night. Absolutely. Exactly right. Good job, man. He's like, no. And so the sheriff's asked Michael to go down to the station. And when he asked if he was under arrest, the sheriff said no. They just need to talk to him. He's like, okay, cool. And Charlie, he actually did the right thing. He spoke up and told the sheriffs that Michael didn't know anything about what happened because he would have talked him and Wade out of it. Hmm. So while on the porch, um, Charlie seemed to be cold, so they asked him if he'd like a shirt and some shoes. When they went inside to go get him some, they found what appeared to be blood drops on the top of his boots. So they were like, Mm, nope, these are going to evidence. Yeah, let me just grab those real quick. They were like, yeah, we get that you're cold, but you can't have these. Yep. You're going to need to wear your socks or something. Something else. That's when Charlie was placed in the back of a police car and taken to the fucking sheriff's department. Oh, no, Charlie, honey. What'd you do, hon? Why'd you do this? So a warrant was issued for Matthew Wade's home, and before they could start interviewing Charlie... He said, I'm in a lot of trouble. And they asked him what happened. And Char- and Charlie told them that Aaron called him and said she wanted to ki- uh, wanted him to kill her parents. And Charlie told her again, just run away. And she replied, no, kill them. And later that night at 1.30 in the morning, Charlie said him and an accomplice went to the cafe home. But he wouldn't give up his partner. Because, you know, snitches get stitches. Yep. Charlie went on with his statements 
When him and his partner arrived at the cafe house, a dog started barking. Remember, Terry heard a dog. Yep. And Terry woke up, so the duo decided to leave. A little while later, Aaron called Charlie back and asked him where he was. Charlie told her about the dog, and she told him to come back in an hour, and she would keep the dog quiet. At 2 a.m., Aaron called Charlie again and told him she couldn't stand being in the house any longer and to meet her at the end of the driveway. The trio, um, they picked her up. The trio returned to the cafe house, and Aaron was waiting for them in her PJs. They drove around for an hour working out all the details of how they were going to commit the murders. Charlie said he made one last-ditch effort for Aaron to run away with him, and when she turned 18, she could do whatever the fuck she wanted. Aaron was not having it, and she said she just wanted them killed, so they went back to the house. Just like that. Damn. I just I just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, he, and especially because even the, the, the last hour, he's like, please, like, just fuck it. You got, what is she, 16? Yep. Two years, girl. Come on. Probably not until full years, like, what, right. an hour, a year and a half? Yeah, dude, and trust me, it goes by so fucking fast. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. So Charlie admitted they entered the living room, um, then the first floor bathroom looking for money before going into the master bedroom where he shot Penny, but didn't kill her, and then shot Terry twice and left the room. Charlie then told the investigators that him and that he told Wade he couldn't do it, and Charlie said that Wade expected him to shoot Bubba and Tyler, and the pair went upstairs and Bubba and Tyler had locked themselves into Aaron's room. Charlie avoided all contact with them and told them to get out of Aaron's room and go to their own beds. And as I said before, Charles was coming up the stairs when Bubba kicked him. And that's when, or Wade was coming up the stairs when he saw Bubba kick Charlie. And that's when Wade shot Bubba in the head. And Charlie confessed to being the one that stabbed Tyler with the sword. And after taking a moment to think about what he said, he then went, oh, I heard two shots from the master bedroom after I went upstairs. So, like, he's, like, now backtracking and going, oh, you know what? After I went upstairs, I did hear two more gunshots. Mm-hmm. Like... I wasn't the one doing all the shit. It was this other guy. Yes. Mm. But if you think about it, he's admitted to shooting Terry twice, right? Yep. But if you go back to when Terry was in the hospital, Terry did have like four gunshots. Yeah. So. There's another person. Yeah. Right. So up until this point, Charlie wouldn't name who was at the house with him. But when Detective Almon asked again, Charlie's saying like a canary, mm. like these kids broke easily yeah and he said that wade was in the house with him and that bobby and aaron were in the car so the wonder twins set the house on fire with big lighters ha huh. how <laughs> i don't i am thinking they had to set like a piece of paper on fire and then set that you know they what i mean have to because that would take fucking forever yes <laughs> and then they grabbed aaron's clothes along with two pairs of shoes her purse and left the house and this is when the detectives do that thing they always do where they leave the room and leave the video running. Mm, I love it. Yeah. And you get the good shit. Yeah. We got Casey Anthony singing Christmas songs. Um, ooh, the one for the jinx. It actually wasn't a confession, but, it, you know, he was in the bathroom and he said, I did it. So, yeah, I love that shit. Yeah. So, well, Charlie can be heard mumbling to 
himself. They got my boots. Oh. <laughs> they got my boots. Oh, Charlie. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> I but feel I, bad for Charlie, you guys. Because honestly, also, boots are not cheap. Okay, guys? Like, if you price out a real set of boots, it's... It can be thousands of dollars. I mean, I just... you know that that he probably loved those fucking boots. Probably his only real good pair. Well, he shouldn't have worn his good boots to a murder. I know. He should have worn his mun boots to the murder. Well, maybe it was like... His work boots. His lucky boots or something. He should have worn his work boots to the murder and not your dancing boots. That's probably true, yeah. Lord have mercy. So, the detectives came back... And Charlie told them that Aaron had been talking about killing her parents for about a month and a half. And not long after that, Charlie was able to get Wade to agree to help. But there were some questions about whether or not this was actually going to happen up until the day of the murders. And Charlie called Wade to tell him she wants it done. So, I mean, up until the very point... I think these kids were like, this isn't going to really happen. Right. Like, that was their mindset. We're all talk- it's all talk. Yes. Which is, you know, and that's the thing is like, this is when it's hard to, and especially in cases like this. Again, these are teenagers. How much of it is reality? How much of it is fantasy? You know, and, and even in adult cases like this, it's hard. But it's, I think it's even more because as children, our brains aren't fully developed. Yeah. So we can fantasy fantasize a lot more, you know, about something. And I don't know. I just, uh, it's tough. So Detective Allman asked why the kids had to be murdered. And Charlie told him it's because Wade said that little ones talk. In this version of the story, though, Charlie said that the barking dog changed their plans. They only had the swords at this point, but the barking dog made them go home and get the twenty-two in case the dog started barking again. Interesting. Well, and, and okay, this is another interesting thing. Memory. Memory is fickle. And, and especially after you've done something traumatic, like murder people. You can lose parts of the timing. It could mm-hmm. be off. And mm-hmm. then also, especially if you have, what, two different accounts now. Mm-hmm. And then you also have actually three. Aaron's four. Four different accounts of the night, because you got Bobby, Aaron, um, Wade, and Charlie, right? Yes. And all of them are telling different sides of their stories, and they were all in different places. So it's hard to really say the actual chain of events. I would say maybe Terry would actually be the closest to reality, because he's kind of like it, the constant, I guess you yeah. could say. I don't know. So, one of the things law enforcement wanted to know was if Aaron's mood had changed once they got to math, back to Matthew's house. And Charlie said, nope, she remained happy the entire time. And when they asked if the two had had sex when they got back, I guess because they wanted to know if the condom was from that day or, like, maybe a previous... Engagement. Yeah. I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Yeah. Um, Charlie confirmed, yeah, we... Bounce bound, bound. And when uh, when they asked if it was consensual, he was like, yep, it sure as fuck was. I mean, why would he lie at this point? He's already admitted to murder. Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> like, come on, man. You know, and this, like I said, this was unsettled oh, so everyone involved almost more than the murders themselves. I see why they asked that. They thought maybe he was the mastermind convincing Aaron of, and then he raped her yeah, and took yeah, her yeah. or some shit. Got it. Okay. Now, Charlie um, admitted to why he did the murders. 
Do you want to know why? I do. Because he thought he was in love. Okay. Now, also, tell me that they're going to get some pleas for ratting on each other here. Please tell me they're going to whittle down some time. We'll see. Okay. Now that the police had Charlie, they needed to find Wade, and they figured they could find... If they could find Bobby, they could find Wade. Yeah. I mean, let's do this math. That's real easy maths. So they had a lead on Bobby, and they were headed towards Lake Fork, when lo and behold, in the opposite direction, they spot Bobby's car with a white male that looked like Wade behind the wheel. Holy crap. So they bust a bitch in the middle of the road, mm-hmm. and the car speeds up. Once the police confirm that's Bobby's car, they flip on the lights and the sirens, and the car pulls over. Thank God. Yeah, I, I was going to say, don't do this. Thank God. I think he sped up trying to, like, put distance, be, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, with weapons drawn, Wade gets out of the car with his hands up. He was the only one in the car, so they cuff him and read him his rights. Of course, they told him they were investigating the Kathy murders and asked him if he was involved. And he was like, nope, of course not. Nothing to see here, folks. And then when asked if they had, he had any weapons, he told them he had a sword in the trunk. These fucking swords, man. Oh, my God. I, d- are there pictures of these swords in, like, the exhibits? You know, exhibit A, B, whatever. I bet I can find some. Oh, my God. I really desperately want to see what they are. I, I would die if one of them had, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, you know what I'm saying? Now, I do know at least one of them had um, black electrical tape around the handle. Oh, because of course it did. Because it looks so much cooler now. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think it's cooler when it's, like, red with the gold. Yeah. That's cooler. Yeah, oh, way cooler, dude. But, you know. <laughs> so they confiscated the sword and asked... Wade, where Bobby was, and he was like, fuck, I'll tell you, she's at work, bro, right down the road, just dropped her off. Amazing. So Wade was loaded up and taken to the sheriff's department, and the car was impounded. Yep. Um, Wade tried to tell a story that didn't involve him and Bobby being with Charlie, but when the officers told him that Bobby's car was spotted on a county road at 2.30 in the morning... He caved, and by caved, I mean he told a little bit different version of the story. Wade said that him, Bobby, and Charlie had been at Matthews until about midnight when they left to go to Aaron's because Charlie needed to help with something, and he didn't know what it was. No clue. Oh, okay. Not a clue. Whatever. He was like, just take me over there, bro. Okay. And the popo was like, yeah, I don't think so. Mm Mm-hmm. And Wade relented, and he said, okay, we were going to kill Aaron's parents and hide Aaron. They cave so quickly, these youngins. You know. Ted Bundy never caved this fast. No, God, no. Never. And when asked why he took part in this fucking ridiculous plan, he said he needed money. Like, at least he was honest. You know, I got to say, honestly, I feel like if I, I don't know how the system works, but if I were a cop, I'd be like, yes, they did it. But they told us the truth throughout the entire thing. You know, like, and straight up. There was no, like, moment where it was like, let's see what happens. I mean, they kind of try with the let's see what happens a couple of times. But then they quickly. They quickly are like, nah. One thing from the cops, like, one thing where they're like, 
no, bro, somebody saw you. They're like, okay, well, let me tell you what happened. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Let me just tell you. So I hope that they weighed into their sentencing is what I'm saying. I'm hoping, but (laughs) we'll see. So um, Wade said they walked up to the house at about 1230 in the morning, but Bobby was asleep in the car. She knew what was happening, but she was asleep in the car. The dog was barking, and so they left. And this is when Aaron called, um, asking where they were. And Charlie told her about the dog, and she told them to come back at 2.30 in the morning. And they left and went back to Matthew's apartment. Or, I'm sorry, trailer. Charles, um, I'm sorry, Wade continued that about 2 a.m., Aaron called and told them to meet her at the end of the driveway. And for the next hour, they drove around planning the murders. Wade wanted to protect Bobby, but at this point, there was no way for him to protect her, so he finally admitted that Bobby took part in the planning Mm. discussions. Yeah. Like, he was really trying. He's like, she was asleep in the car. She didn't know. She didn't know. So, um, now Wade said that he said he would not kill the kids either, so both of them swore they told the other one they weren't going to kill the children, but yet the children still died. Yeah. So Wade said that Charlie was the first one through the door and into the master bedroom and fired five or six, maybe seven shots at Penny and Terry when Charlie thought he was out of bullets, but the gun was just jammed. Wade said he fixed the gun, but Charlie killed Penny with the sword. Wade's story about Bubba and Tyler lined with Charlie's, and I'm not going to retell it. I don't. That makes me feel icky, and I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So, Charles said, Wade said they then robbed the house. They then called Bobby to have her bring the car. And it took two or three trips to get all of Aaron's shit out of the house and set the house on fire. Wade admitted to setting the master bedroom comforter on fire, which is why Terry said the end of the bed was on fire. Mm Mm-hmm. And after the fire started, they drove away, turning down different roads. And Aaron said... Holy shit, that was awesome. Yeah, that seems right. That tracks. So Wade and Bobby dropped Aaron and Charlie off at Matthew's house, and they went back to Bobby's house. While Bobby was getting ready for work, Wade threw all the evidence into the Sabine River. The sword in the trunk was not the murder weapon, but the match to the pair of the murder weapon that had been thrown in the river. So you think he was just like getting rid of the other one like... That way it's not weird to just have, like, one fucking sword on the wall or whatever? Well, he just was driving around with the one sword that didn't kill anyone, but he disposed of the killing sword. Well, it was just smart. But, but like, still, it's like a pair, so... You should have disposed of both of them, bro. Right, right. Yeah. Amateur hour. And honestly, here's another thing I just thought of as you were talking. Like, okay, so they went in to get her purse. Think about that. Okay, so if Aaron really was a victim here in all of this, why the fuck... Would she be like, hold on mm-hmm. a second, can I just get my purse? Exactly right. Right? Mm-hmm. And her clothes? Mm-hmm. Like, again, if this was all like what they, which her, what she's contending it was originally, her purse and everything would be in there, and then she would be wherever the fuck, right? I mean, exactly it's just right. not well thought out. And y'all hadn't, this just goes to show you what only an hour of planning does, guys. Don't procrastinate. No. Don't procrastinate. Make a spreadsheet. Yep. Make a map. Mm-hmm. Do your homework. Come on. Exactly right. I'm disappointed. <laughs> 
So Wayne was like, he started talking. So all bets are off now. Wade then took the police to the Sabine River to show them where he disposed of everything. On the way, Wade finally realized how big of a pile of shit he was in, how big of a pile of shit he was in, and decided to tell where he really disposed of the evidence. Because it really was off Highway 19 north of Emory towards Sulphur Springs. Oh. The Sulphur Springs Fire Department dive team suited up got into the creek and found the safe open in about a foot of water. All the contents belonged to Aaron's grandfather. They found the other sword and somehow the black duffel bag full of Aaron's stuff and two boxes of jewelry. Last, they found a yellow cardboard box with the boots Wade was wearing that night. Finding this evidence was just the nail that... Jeez. Nailed that fucking ironclad coffin shut. So is the art? It would. So they were trying to make it look like a burglary, burglary gone wrong. So well, maybe that was their cover up for why her purse wouldn't be there too. You know well, what I mean? Is that what I don't know. Do? I don't know why he got rid of Aaron's stuff. I think maybe they might have left it in Bobby's car. And they're like, get rid of this fucking shit. Yeah, because they're like, I don't want Aaron's shit. No, and she didn't take it with her. Yeah. What the hell is she doing? Yeah, because the safe and stuff they couldn't the safe they couldn't open at the house, so they took it with them to open later to try to get money out of it because they didn't get the money they were supposed to. Got it. So So the police drove out to the Oak Ridge restaurants to go talk to Bobby, and they found her sitting outside on her cell phone. They started up a friendly conversation with her. And she told them about her recent raise and was acting like there's nothing to see here. And the police decide to up the ante a little bit and ask her if she heard about the Kathy murders. And she's like, yeah, that is so sad. I can't believe that happened. All the while, she was deleting items off her phone. Mm-hmm. The police were like, fuck this bitch. And they told her someone saw her car at 2 a.m. on the county road. And they knew that she was with Wade and Charlie, and they wanted the truth. This is when Bobby realized that maybe, just maybe, she should tell them what she knew. So she told him her version of events of that, of that night. Bobby's version was pretty much along the same line as the others. She claimed that Aaron called Charlie around midnight, saying that Penny was yelling and hitting her. So Charlie, Wade, and herself drove over to the cafe house and parked down the road. Charlie and Wade got out of the car, but Bobby stayed in the car and fell asleep because she had previously taken some muscle relaxers. She said the boys were gone for about 10 to 15 minutes before coming back to the car and they returned to Matthew's house. Erin called back, wanting her parents murdered, so the trio returned to the cafe house, picking Erin up at the end of the driveway, and they drove around talking, trying to talk Erin out of murdering her parents. In Bobby's version... She was the one trying to convince Aaron not to kill her family and eventually came up with a compromise. They would go back to the house and mediate some type of truce with Terry and Penny. But when they go to the house, the front door was wide open. How did that happen? What? And the boys entered the house to see if Terry and Penny were awake and start this conversation. And for some reason, unbeknownst to Bobby... Charlie just happened to have a gun with him. 
Conveniently, Bobby went back to the muscle relax, went back into a muscle relaxer and do sleep. I mean, come on. Yeah. Muscle relaxers don't put you to sleep, then wake you up and put you back to sleep. No. Sorry, officers. I don't know what was going on. I was asleep during all the murdery parts. And then I woke up when there weren't murdery parts, and I went back to sleep for all the other murdery parts. Okay. Sure, sweetie. Sure, boo. So Bobby said she was asleep for 10 to 20 minutes before Charles got back in the car and said, we gotta go. How do you know how long that was? Again, muscle relaxers. I don't know if, <laughs> if anyone's taken a muscle relaxer. First of all, they're amazing. But also, like, you don't, you lose time for your sleep. <laughs> You're not going to wake up and go, that's been about 10 or 20 minutes. Like, yeah. what? Yeah. So she said Wade told her that Charlie had shot Terry five times and Penny three times. And there were flames coming from the second story. When detectives asked her if she called the fire department, she said no because she was afraid of Charlie. Of course, we're all afraid of Charlie. Oh, yeah. He's terrified. Hillbilly Charlie. Yeah. So Bobby then contradicts herself when asked if she knew what was going to happen because she said yes. But weren't they just going to talk about a compromise? Yeah. Exactly. So I'm a little confused. Anywho... She knew what was going to happen because Aaron told Charlie that she wanted to get rid of her parents because she was tired of getting beat by them. The claim that of Aaron being beat by her parents would later be denied. And honestly, I don't think they beat her. No. 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 And there, there's... Mm-mm. So according to Bobby, Wade just kept watch and held the dog while Charlie did all the murders... Until she couldn't keep up the facade to protect her Mr. Lover Lover anymore and freely admitted that Wade helped Charlie. At this point, Bobby decided she needed to talk to her mom because she finally figured out she needed a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Y'all. Mm-hmm. We about to PSA him? Because I think we Y'all, should. even if you've done nothing wrong, especially if you have, don't say a word until you have a lawyer. The only word you should speak to a cop is lawyer. That is the only phrase and word you need to use. I want my lawyer. I want a lawyer, lawyer. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. Yes. So Texas Ranger John Vance was like three people. Three almost identical confessions. You would like to think they rehearsed all of this, Mm -hmm. but it was in so much detail. He knew it wasn't rehearsed. And he was getting the truth of what happens. Right. And especially if they're not even using like tactics to break them, which can produce false confessions. Yes. Then, and they're like, literally like, well, weren't you here then? It's like, no, oh, God dang it. You're right. It's like, uh, okay. Like but, they're like spilling the beans. And oddly enough, all their stories, like you said, are very similar. They're almost the exact same. Then it's like, okay, clearly this is probably what went down that night. And then you loop in Terry's story and you're like, wow, this overlays pretty perfectly yep so texas ranger john and in my head he looks like the new texas ranger not um walker oh. texas ranger oh yeah the kid from supernatural yes who is actually from texas yeah he lives here but anywho yes. in my head texas ranger john vance looks like the new walker texas ranger not the old yeah. walker texas ranger i know i mean and and that's is it because he's super cute? Because I'm hoping that's why you're saying that. Probably. Because he's super cute. Yeah. Anyway. 
So, anyhow, Texas Ranger John arrested Bobby for capital murder and walked her ass straight over to the jail. And Sheriff Deputy John Wallace decided to take this opportunity to look through Bobby's purse because, you know, she's being arrested now and you can do that. Yeah, and also she had an honor. Yep. Because, you know, she was like, hey, don't forget my purse on the way out of killing my family. Thank you. Bye. And they found several latex gloves and a bunch of spent shotgun shells. Interesting. But, you know, this is East Texas country. Those shotgun shells could just mean she'd been hunting. That's true. Just saying. So, remember I said there was a search warrant for Matthew's house? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Well, you ready to find out what they found? Yes. I'm going to tell you on my last episode. Damn it! <laughs> Screaming at people. Sorry about that. <sighs> Why do you do these things to me? Because... It would be no fun if I told you right now. I know, I know. You oh, got to wait. It's a hell of a cliffhanger. So find out on the next episode what the contents of the house were. And thank you all so much for listening and sticking with us through this four-part series. We're really excited to be bringing you stuff like this and have all this amazing research that Amanda has done behind it. So thank you. It's been a long time since I've had time to... <laughs> Do something like that. Yeah. I know. And... If you want all the episodes, go to Patreon now. All of them are up. We hope you're really enjoying it. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.